friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. A sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. Welcome to the sunny side of sports. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington, stepping in for Sunny Young. And let's start off the show with the Beach Soccer Africa Cup of Nations, where Senegal retained the top position after winning against Egypt in the 2022 final of the Beach Soccer Africa Cup of Nations in Mozambique. The Pharaohs of Egypt held champions, the Teranga Lions of Senegal, to their toughest match in the tournament, forcing penalties after a 2-2 two two draw. And for more on the African Sports Roundup, let's head to Abuja, Nigeria, where Samson O'Malley brings us more calf news. A sporty greetings to you, Samson. Sporty greetings to you too, Jackson. Confederation of African Football, the continent's football governing body, has set 11th of November as the deadline for countries to declare interest in staging the 2025 Africa Cup of Nations. A new host must be found after Guinea was stripped of rights because of concerns over infrastructure and facilities. Staying with football news and ahead of the 2022 World Cup, head coach of Ghana's national team, Otto Ado, is highly optimistic of the Black Stars' chances heading into the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. The Black Stars of Ghana are the lowest-ranked nation out of the 32 teams that have qualified for the Mundial. But coach Otto Ado believes Ghana can beat any team at the 2022 World Cup despite their checkered form. Um, I know that we can beat every team in the world. This, this one is for sure. And um, everybody knows that at the World Cup, it will not come like, like maybe the whole world expects things to be. Um, I think also the first games of us, but also of our opponents, will be very, very decisive on how to go on the second one. Um, because surely you will go different into a match if you need points, then, or if, let's say, the opponent has lost, then maybe uh, uh, if you have already three points or one point, it's a big, big difference. So. The first match is very, very decisive, and um, from there we can, we can, yeah, we can know more actually to go on the sec- how we go on the second match. The 2022 Sakafa Under-20 Championships will get on the way on Friday and is being hosted by Sudan. The competition also serves as a qualification for the 2023 Afghan Under-20 Championships that will be hosted in Nigeria next year. Uganda, having won the previous edition in 2020, is seeking to defend their title. Jackson Mayanja is the head coach of the Uganda Under-20 team. It's very good that we had our last training today with Maroons and uh, this is the team which is going to represent us, the whole country, Uganda with the Under-20. And I think uh, we are all fine, just waiting for the time of the day to prepare for tonight and we'll try to see how we perform. Away from football now, 172 elite athletes have registered for the 19th edition of the Nairobi Marathon planned for Sunday. Former London Marathon champion Priska Jepto will headline the women's 42-kilometer race that has also attracted Uhuru Classic Marathon silver medalist Shailene Jepkokur. Some of the big guns in the men's category are the 2021 Madrid Half Marathon champion Ezra Tanui, Asbel Kipruto and Bravin Kiprop. Peter Gitao is the chairman of the local organizing committee. Our total prize money uh, for this year's marathon is 10.6 million. Um, both men and women, uh, winners of all the races, will receive uh, uh, prize money. 
Um, I'll talk about the top. So for the, 20, for the 42 kilometers, the prize money for the winners is 2 million shillings. Uh, for the 21 kilometers, it's and the wheelchair race, uh, it's 300,000. In tennis news, Ugotaso Mutajani, South African wheelchair tennis player who became the first black South African woman to compete at Wimbledon, says she still got her sight on winning a Grand Slam title. Yeah, definitely winning the Slam is, uh, is the ultimate goal. Getting to the last Paralympics is the ultimate goal, you know, not to get there, but to get there to be able to win, you know, something, a medal. So those are my ultimate goals. But going into the future, I don't know what the future holds. I'm someone who will take it one day at a time. And now to basketball news. Group C of the 2022 Road to Bar tournament brings together East Africa's strongest teams and Southern Africa's Metro Magic of Zambia. Tanzania became the host of Group C after a change in the host country from Uganda. The four Group C teams will be vying for a sport in the Elite 16 leg of the Road to Bar tournament, which tips off on Friday. And elsewhere, Toronto Raptors president and Nigerian-born Masai Ujiri has been fined $35,000 for approaching the scorer's table and directing inappropriate remarks towards a game official. The punishment was announced on Wednesday by Brian Spurrell, president of the NBA League Operations. The incident occurred during the Raptors' 112-109 to loss to the Miami Heat on Saturday, October 22 at the FTX Arena. And now to rugby, where Kenya Lionesses' first test during the Rugby Africa Women's Cup 2022 Pool B will be against Zambia Eagles on Saturday evening. In addition to Zambia, Kenya will take on internal rivals Uganda with all three eyes set on the pool's top sport that keeps their Rugby World Cup qualification campaigns on track. Head coach Dennis Kuila Mwanja has handed four rookies their first national team call-ups after impressing during training. I'm looking at a bigger picture, a journey uh, bigger than me, bigger than us of taking Kenya and Mrs. to a level we've never reached before. And this is where we begin in Uganda. So the girls have, have uh, their work cut out. We as the technical bench have sold the, uh, the vision and we are looking at uh, realistically, uh, uh, compared to our brothers, it's a more realistic opportunity to, to break through the opposition compared to the other side. In cricket news, Zimbabwe pulled off a stunning one-run upset over Pakistan in Perth on Thursday to put the Asian giants in danger of an early exit from the 2020 World Cup. Zimbabwe were restricted to 130 to 8 after electing to bat first, but their bowlers choked Pakistan to 129 to 8 for a memorable win in the Super 12 match in Perth. It was Pakistan's second straight loss after their agonizing opening defeat to arch rivals India, who topped the group with two victories out of two. Sikanda Raza, a Zimbabwe international cricketer who says they can outperform their set target at a T20 World Cup. Uh, before the first ball was bowled, um, I personally thought, as I said, we were 15 or 20 runs short. Um, but I really, truly believe in this group of boys. We knew that if he can feel well and take all our chances and cut those important twos, um, we could we could really win this game. And the way um, Garava and Mabunu started the first two overs, and then, of course, um, we had early wickets. Brad took a wicket in the fourth over, then Mabunu took one in the fifth over. And to have... Uh, and then I think Iftihar got out in the seventh over or something like eighth over. So to have Pakistan down for 30 yard, I thought that was a start we needed. Thank you, Samson. That was Samson O'Malley in Abuja, Nigeria.
listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. And let's go to Frankfurt in Germany where Kenyans won big at the Frankfurt Marathon on Sunday. That is despite the sweltering temperatures. Sally Kaptich won the women's title and Bremen Misoy took the men's title, both going close to breaking the course record before suffering in the heat. The energetic Andy Edwards is in Frankfurt and brings us this report. Sporty greetings to you, Andy. Sporty greetings, Jackson. Age proved no barrier for both Kenyan winners, nor did temperatures which rose to around 20 degrees Celsius as the elite runners entered the closing stages of the race. Sally Kaptich began as the women's favourite and looked the part from the starting gun. She is 37, spent 10 years based in Japan, which toughened her mentally and physically, and stated beforehand that she intended to attack the course record of fellow Kenyan Valerie Ayabai, set three years ago. That stood at 2 hours, 19 minutes and 10 seconds. It still does, though for much of the race, Sally Kaptich was on course to break it. Only in the last few kilometres did the heat take its toll. Kaptich made it across the finish line in 2 hours 23.11, collapsing after a couple of more steps, but soon revived. Runner-up was Hella Kiprop, the 2015 world champion silver medalist. Struggled even more before finishing a minute and a half behind, while Jacqueline and Chepengeno made it a Kenyan clean sweep in third, two minutes behind the Miller. The tall frame of Brimin Misoy broke away from the leading men's group shortly after 25 minutes. For a while, he had fellow Kenyan Samuel Mailu for company, about 10 metres behind, but the latter dropped further back to finish a creditable second. Mailu began the race as one of the designated pacemakers, but with the permission of the organisers to race to the finish once his pacing duties were done. Ethiopia's Derezi Galeta finished a distant third, but the men's top honours went to Brimin Misoy. He's had an outstanding year. He won the Nairobi Marathon for the second time in May, running 2.08.30, which is deeply impressive, given the event is held at altitude. In the heat of Frankfurt, he was on course for sub-2.05, but the heat got to him. He still won in a personal best, 2 hours 6 minutes 11, a performance that gave him a lot of satisfaction. Talking with the men's champion in the Minerva Frankfurt Marathon, that is Brimin Misoy. Um, Brimin, this is really a, a big win for you. Do you think it also sets you up for the future? Yes, yeah. In the money, it was. I, I worked the very, it was very early. It was not any problem. It was the, you are going to the starting. It was very good. Uh, you had a very good win in Kenya, the Nairobi Marathon. Did that in the earlier the year? Did that set you up for this win in Frankfurt? Yes, it was. There was the time. There was the day you are. You are last day. It was last day man from Augustine um, management. You are telling me you are run from Bun Marathon. You are. You are telling okay, no problem. You are training very well. No anything. You are. You run two oh six personal best in hot conditions. Do you think, and you were on course for a 2.04 or 2.05, do you think in cool conditions you could be running quite a lot faster? Yes, it was very good. It was, it was almost from that five. It was very long. Is it a big psychological success, breakthrough for yeah, you yeah. to have won this? From that seven, it was many... Six socks from that, five, that seven to four. 
Yes. Okay, thank you very much, Premier. Okay. Among his previous successes is victory over the tough Athens course four years ago. Only two men have run that course faster. One of them, the 2004 Olympic champion Stefano Baldini of Italy. Brimin Misoy of Kenya is definitely a man to take on the big challenges. For the sunny side of sport, this is Andy Edwards in Frankfurt. So Sunday marked three weeks until the 2022 FIFA World Cup football tournament kicking off in Qatar. FIFA President Gianni Ifantino says that it will be a World Cup of peace and unity and one that will bring the world together after some difficult times. And for more on this, we hear from my VOA colleague Gwen Uten. A sporty greetings to you, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Jackson. FIFA World Cup 2022 has been 12 years in the making. And now there are only 20 days to go before the tournament officially kicks off on November 20th in Qatar. On that day, the spotlight will shine bright on the host nation in their debut match against Ecuador ahead of opening ceremony. FIFA President Gianni Infantino has said the upcoming competition can help bring the world together. And earlier this month, Infantino addressed the world in a pre-recorded video message and emphasized that all are welcome. This FIFA World Cup, a tournament of peace and unity, will be the one that brings the world together after some difficult times. And let me repeat it clearly. Everyone will be welcomed to the tournament, regardless of their origin, background, religion, gender, sexual orientation, or nationality. Infantino's message comes amid growing safety concerns among football fans in LGBTQ plus communities who want to travel to Qatar where homosexuality is illegal. However, in an October interview with Sky Sports, chief executive of the 2022 World Cup, Nasser Al-Qatar, reassured the LGBTQ plus community that everyone will feel safe in the host nation. Another area of concern Concern leading up to the tournament has been the issue of workers' rights. In 2021, The Guardian published a report that revealed more than 6,500 migrant workers from South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa died in the decades since Qatar was awarded hosting rights. Many of those deaths were directly linked to the construction of World Cup stadiums in and around the capital city, Doha. Rights groups, including Amnesty International, have called on FIFA to allot over $400 million to compensate migrant workers who were exposed to forced labor, unpaid wages, and excessive working hours during World Cup preparations. And while the government of Qatar has denied claims of migrant worker exploitation, Gianni Infantino maintains human rights protections remain one of FIFA's top priorities. Wherever we go around the world, we are, of course, uh, highlighting the need for uh, protecting human rights. When it comes to the situation in, uh, in Qatar, in particular, I think we need to be fair there as well and admit that a lot of progress has happened. A lot of progress uh, in the conditions of uh, the workers. Uh, of course, more can be done everywhere, always. 
The upcoming World Cup is taking place in the smallest nation to hold soccer's biggest event. Qatar, with a population of about 2.8 million people, is now bracing for an influx of nearly 1.2 million fans for the upcoming tournament. Due to limited accommodations in Qatar, thousands of visitors will have to stay in neighboring countries and fly into Doha to attend World Cup matches. However, the Director General of the World Cup Organizing Committee, Yasser Al-Jamal, says an additional 30,000 hotel rooms have been made available in Qatar for last-minute ticket holders. There is a high demand for accommodation, especially around the group stages. We have sold around 2 million room nights throughout the tournament, and I'm happy today to announce that an additional 30,000 room has been added to the portal Qatar Accommodation Agency, that's equivalent to around 1 million room nights, in line with the last-minute ticket sales. This has been designed to ensure all ticket holders have the best chance of securing accommodation. Soccer team support staff and World Cup officials will occupy many hotel rooms in Doha. Japan is scheduled to be the first team to arrive in Qatar on November 7th. In all, 32 countries are set to compete for the World Cup trophy, with the 2018 World Cup champions France aiming to defend the title. This year's World Cup is the first to be held at the end of the calendar year and the first to take place in the Middle East. And now with just three weeks before the start of World Cup 2022, FIFA and Qatar organizers say nearly three million tickets have been sold. And that is all from me, Jackson. Back over to you. Many thanks to you, Gwen. That was Gwen Uten, or as I like to call her, Gwen O from the Voice of America here in Washington, D.C. This is the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Let's take a quick break as we listen to your voices. So we ask the question, what should be done to promote women's soccer on the continent? And here is what you had to say. You have to make them equal us as well as men. Women and men, there is no difference. I'm called Keith. Uh, local FA should do more of talent identification, reach out to the local communities. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent in the schools down there. The girls are playing the football, but they don't have the platform. So I think if the local FA can identify them from grassroots, it would make the women's sport a little better. Then I think also the FA should subsidize the, the playing materials. Because most of these ladies are coming from humble backgrounds. They cannot access the expensive playing materials. But I think it's on track for now. Well, my name is Nicholas. Uh, I think the women's football is uh, it's a, a good area of, uh, of focus. I'm Fiona. Um, basically, women's football, it's worth it. Like, women should be given a chance because there are very many upcoming young women who are very interested in football. Yeah. Uh, basically, I would really support if they are given a chance and support it. Yeah. Uh, basically, it should also be included in the school curriculum, whereby the young ladies are given a chance to participate in football. And then uh, at a standard level, basically, they're, they're now promoting women football right now because at least they have a gist of 
some friends of mine have been participating in that football ladies, so I believe it can give them a better future. Just like men are given, so ladies should be given. Like in schools where boys are given scholarship because uh, they play football, they do basketball, they do netball, they should also render the same opportunity to the ladies, yes. The government should sponsor and support them in any way they can so that to promote them because football is not made for men alone, it's also for women as, as well. So the government should make uh, proper fundings. Uh, my views about women soccer is they need to, to be given sports facilities like shoes. Women need a lot of things, like they need sports wears, like those type bras, because most of them fear because they're like have big boobs, they cannot run, they'll come out. Those are the things that keep them left behind. They don't like go in front. And many thanks to all of you for your opinions on our topic today. And still in World Cup news, Africa will be represented at the World Cup by five teams that will include the indomitable Lions of Cameroon, the Black Stars of Ghana, Atlas Lions of Morocco, Carthage Eagles of Tunisia, and the Taranga Lions of Senegal. Akani Wahid is a former member of Nigeria's national football team, also known as the Super Eagles. He spoke to reporter Mike Mbonye about the chances of the African teams that will be representing the continent at the FIFA World Cup. Yeah, hi, my name is Wadi Akoni, a former Super Eagles player. Uh, I think uh, all the five countries that qualify for the World Cup from Africa will do well. Uh, the preparations are well going and it's very well, they're all getting well prepared. So with that determination going to the World Cup in Qatar, I believe they should all do well. Uh, that is one. Do you think any of the five African teams going to the FIFA World Cup in Qatar is in a difficult group or group of death? Again, you know, uh, Morocco, Ghana, uh, Tunisia, Senegal, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think they are all in probably, you know, in modest groups. Uh, I'm not sure there are any of them is in the group of death. Uh, that means they've got the core chances of qualifying just like the other countries in their in their zones, in their groups rather. So I think uh, uh, not having them in the group of death also means they have the they have the opportunity to actually do well and, and qualify from that group. Wahid, who are some of the African players that are expected to be outstanding for their teams at the World Cup? Well, World Cup being the biggest uh, stage when it comes to football means uh, all of the players representing Africa will want to showcase their talent. Uh, we all know exposure is, is important. Sadio Mane, popular. Uh, uh, the Egyptian guys, Momo Salah, is also popular. But that does not mean to say that uh, we won't have a, a, a unknown star spring up during this World Cup. I think that's what that, that's the opportunity World Cup provides, and I believe we will see a lot of new African players come out. And uh, of course, I also uh, Africa has got a big opportunity to showcase, you know, all our big big stars, you know, this, this World Cup coming up. It means, you know, if they can all play as a team, we should have one or two of the African countries playing the quarterfinals. And then, of course, we probably can get one of them playing semi-finals. I mean, Africa is long overdue. We need to have at least a, a, a country playing semi-finals, and it's not the finals of this World Cup coming up. 
Hello guys, this is Waida Connie, ex-Super Eagles player. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Thanks. That was Wahid Akani. He's a former member of Nigeria's national men's football team, the Super Eagles. He spoke with reporter Mike Mbonye on telephone from Uyo in Nigeria. Voice of America. And before we end the show, Prince Nestor joins us to provide updates on the weekend's roundup of action from Europe's biggest leagues. A sporty greetings to you, Prince. Sporty greetings to you too, Jackson. Gone from Ghanaian midfielder Thomas Party, Brazilian striker Gabriel Martinelli, Martin Odgaard and Chris Nelson help Arsenal thrash Nottingham Forest 5-0 at the Emirates. The Ghanas sit atop the table with 31 points, while Forest remains bottom with only 9 points. Arsenal are scheduled to face their London rivals Chelsea next Sunday, while Forest host Brentford on Saturday. Goal scorer Reese Nelson shared his thoughts on the match. It was amazing, you know. Uh, I think it was a bit of a slow start, but uh, once the goal started going in, I think everyone started getting into the game, and everyone enjoyed it, and it was a great game to play in. Here's Arsenal manager Mikhail Ateta's reaction to his team's performance. I'm really happy. I know how difficult it is uh, to play every three days. We had a long week uh, with a lot of trembling, and after that defeat to come here against a team that beat Liverpool, it was a tricky afternoon, but I think we started really well again. Um, we were in control of the game and um, really happy to, to be back at the top again. That's Arsenal manager Mikhail Ateta reacting to his team's emphatic victory against Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. Belgian playmaker Kevin De Bruyne's stunning free kick and Manchester City a 1-0 victory against Leicester at the King Power Stadium. The win guaranteed the citizens their fourth successive victory at Leicester without conceding a goal and sent the champions to second in the Premier League table. City manager Pep Guardiola reacted to his team's performance. A real difficult game because... Uh, uh, attack with uh, 10 players there so deep is, is not easy it's so difficult uh, we concede few and uh, after the, we scored a goal like we started really well the second half uh, they continued to do in that way and of course uh, said okay you attack or you wait what do you have to do and the moment when they change the rhythm you have in a low rhythm because we play in low rhythm all the game because they play in this way and of course, in, in Premier League, the last minute when, when you are in that situation, it's always is difficult. But uh, massive, massive, uh, massive victory for That's Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola reacting after his side's victory against Leicester at the King Power Stadium. Liverpool succumbed to a 2-1 defeat at the hands of Leeds United thanks to goals from Crescencio Somerville and Rodrigo Moreno. The Reds have now lost two successive matches to teams in the relegation zone after losing to Nottingham Forest last weekend. Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp shared his thoughts on the match. Good, good start in the game. Um, liked it, played like we should have. Um, high energetic. Um, and then we concede an early freakish goal, nearly an own goal. Um, not helpful, for sure not, but can equalize that. Um, second ball after set piece, then a no normal first half, I would say, um, with moments, good moments, where we, bit unlucky, put them under pressure. I have a lot of set pieces, I think, great corners. Um, and half time, um, telling the boys again, where are the, the, the areas where we can 
cause them more problems, how we can adapt positioning-wise. Um, to, to, because obviously in the centre they were very compact and the wings were, were the, the weak part, let me say it like this, and um, that's where we created in the first half, where we should have created in the second. Um, we put them under pressure, we did that, not free-flowing football, but um, we, uh, the boys really tried. That's Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp expressing his thoughts following his team's loss against Leeds United in the Premier League. Chelsea scored two on goals on their way to a 4-1 defeat to Brighton as Graham Potter suffered his first defeat as Blues boss at the MX Stadium. Since the English manager's arrival as Blues boss, the 47-year-old has overseen nine games, with each side remaining unbeaten after six wins and three losses. Here's Potter's reaction to his side's loss. We suffered. We suffered a lot in the first half. Um the start obviously with the atmosphere like it was made it even more difficult for us a couple of unforced errors which 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 gave us a problem and uh, credit to brighton they they uh, they played well they they did what they did well um we had some opportunities as well ourselves but it was just one of those days where we weren't quite at the level that we need to be to win to win the game certainly here so um we're all responsible for that me included um the boys have given everything in terms of over a period of seven weeks with with us so it's a bad day, like you say, at the office when we have to dust ourselves down and, and go again with. That's Chelsea manager Graham Potter reacting to his team's loss against Brighton in the Premier League. Reporting for the sunny side of sports and Prince Nestor. And that wraps up this October the 31st edition of the sunny side of sports. Many thanks to all of you for tuning in. I'm VOS Jackson Vungani in Washington, wishing you a great week ahead, Africa.